Inshallah, today I want to speak about a topic titled Muslims in the Workplace. This topic impacts all of us because a great deal of our lives takes place in the workplace. And there are many changes happening in the world today. We are no longer living in isolated pockets in society. So uh, Muslims aren't only living with Muslims. We are living in an integrated society across the world in various communities. And there are many things happening like mass killings and war that is a daily and common occurrence in the modern world. So I believe that we need a paradigm shift as Muslims. So what is a paradigm? A paradigm is simply how we see the world. So each of us has a, our own unique perspective of how we see things and how we see the world. That is called a paradigm. And if we don't understand each other's paradigms, then we don't understand each other. So as Muslims, we have a paradigm. We see the world in a certain way. And then there are people of other faiths who have a paradigm about Islam. And that is affected if they know Muslims. And some other people have paradigms of Muslims that is different because they might not know Muslims personally. So in Western philosophy, there is a, a man he passed on a few years ago, Dr. Stephen Covey, and he said that the world is not as it is, the world is as we are. So each one of us sees the world in a different way. And this concept of paradigms is found in Islam as well. Everything that Western philosophy has brought to us in some form or the other, we find it in the Quran and in the Sunnah. Right? It's all there. So, where is paradigms found in the Islamic tradition? There's, there's many examples, but I'll share with you one of them. There's a hadith Qudsi, which is the words of Allah that is narrated by the Prophet, والسلام, and the Prophet is reported to have said via Abu Huraira, radiallahu an, an Abi Huraira, radiallahu ta'ala an, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa qala Allah ta'ala, Allah said, an inda, an inda, sorry, an inda dhanni abdibi. My servant, Allah said, my servant will find me as he thinks of me. So, we are taught, the Prophet taught us that two things we should have is khusnudhan billah wa khusnudhan bi ibadillah. 
to have a good opinion of Allah and to have a good opinion of the slaves of Allah. So this is a paradigm. So how do we see Allah? So Allah says, if we have a good paradigm of Allah, we will find Him in that way. So if we have an opinion of that Allah is good and that Allah is merciful, we'll find Him in that way. So there's a hadith where a man was destined for the fire and he was taken by the angels to the fire and he had a good thought of Allah. Just a good thought of Allah. And Allah knows what we think. Allah knows everything. So Allah said to the angels, take him to paradise. Because he had khusnudhan billah. He had a good opinion of Allah and this is a paradigm. So... Uh, on this hadith Qudsi, uh, Ibn Hajr al-Asqalani, he commented on it in Fathul Bari, Sharhul Sahih al-Bukhari, which is a book, Fathul Bari, he wrote commenting on the book of hadith called Sahih Bukhari, and he says that whatever we see Allah as, he's able to do that. So, the advice is to see Allah in the best light, to have a good opinion of Allah. And there's many other commentaries on the same hadith Qudsi. So, a paradigm shift is a choice. It is influenced by certain things, but it's a choice that we make. So, for example, there are some people, and we all know some of them, who will always complain every day of their lives, because they see the bad in things. And that's their paradigm. And then you get other people who always see the good in things and that's their paradigm. So, what paradigm am I alluding to here? I'm alluding to a paradigm shift that we need to have regarding Muslims in the workplace. Because like I said, the workplace is very important. We spend a large number of our hours of each day in the workplace and we spend less time at home in the evening and then we sleep. Right? So work is a very important part of our lives. I gave this, uh, uh, a seminar on this topic in Cape Town. And it was three hours long. And a medical doctor who was in attendance said to me that the three hour time, time span is too short. Because from the presentation she realized how important this is. So inshallah, I think this is very important and I hope inshallah it will be of benefit to everyone and it is something that I think is locally and globally a very, very big factor in our lives. So, there are three key areas that I want to focus on regarding Muslims in the workplace. The first is the consciousness of Muslims. Okay, so inshallah we'll talk a bit about that. The second one is the identity of Muslims. And then the third one is Islamophobia. And Islamophobia, I'm sure many of you know that globally this is becoming an increasing problem. Where lots of things are happening because lots of things are happening against people simply because they're Muslim. Not because they did anything wrong, but simply because they're Muslim. So, on the topic of consciousness of Muslims, 
a lot of Muslims I have found they're happy and proud to be Muslims. They they have a Muslim home, they practice Islam in their home, but they don't have a consciousness in the workplace of how important they are in representing Islam. Now why are they important? And why are we important in representing Islam in the workplace? Because people of other faiths and non-faiths usually don't come to our homes. So they don't see how we live. They don't see how parents talk to their children, how children talk to their parents. They don't see us praying five times a day. They don't see this. They don't come to our mosques normally, although they're welcome. And some of them do come, but to a large extent they don't. When we have our activities, Eid celebrations and other celebrations, they're normally not around us. So where's the place that they see us and interact with us on a daily basis? That's the workplace. And for that reason, we need to have a heightened consciousness of our importance as Muslims in the workplace. We need to have a heightened consciousness that everything we do in the workplace is a representation of Islam. And in business, I teach something called positioning. So, I'll give you a quick explanation about that. If a company is targeting a certain type of customer, they will market where that customer is. So, they will do things and position themselves to attract the right type of customer. Now, how do we position ourselves as Muslims in the workplace? There's two ways. Number one, we simply need to be Muslim. Right? So, that might sound strange, because we are Muslim. So, I'll give you an example. Employers of companies have said that they don't think that they really should give male Muslims off for Juma because there are some Muslim males who don't go to Juma. Right? So to them is if some go and some don't go, then it's maybe not such a big deal. So when we are Muslim, we represent Islam and the normal things that we do seem, it doesn't seem, but it, it represents what Islam is to other people. So I'll give you an example. After high school, my first job, right after high school, I was 18, 19 years old. I worked at a company and one o'clock every day at lunchtime, I would get in my car and go to the mosque for the work. And that's just normal. And I didn't think that anyone was watching or anyone was noticing. But when I resigned to go and study, my boss said to me, you're a very pious young man. And I said to him, why are you saying this? And he said to me that I see you every day, you go to your, get in your car and you go to mosque. Now, people notice things. And what I'm advising and suggesting is that we should be conscious of this, that people are noticing things. Because when people are sitting with their families at home and there's a, a, 
a news item on CNN that Muslims have, so-called Muslims have blown up certain countries or airports, and someone might say, those Muslims are terrorists. But if someone knows you in the workplace and knows that you're an upright person, that person can say to their family member, maybe that's not true because I know a Muslim and he'll never do that or she'll never do that. That's the consciousness we need to understand. We need to know that there's always broader context to what is happening. The people that we work with, they have families. And people talk about things and people discuss things around dinner or whatever. And people have opinions. And I've started to do this research that many people of other faiths or non-faiths, they're simply ignorant. They simply don't know. Not because they don't like Islam or they don't like Muslims, but they simply don't know. No one has told them. No one has had a conversation about Islam. So if we are practicing, and I'm not talking about being saintly. So saintly, yes, is a, is a lofty goal. But sometimes people get fearful or afraid about the aspect of being saintly because uh, some people think that you know they, they still have a long way to go. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about simply being Muslim, simply doing the basics so that people can differentiate between you as a person who's in the workplace, who's a Muslim, and someone else who's not Muslim. And so that's the first thing, right? Under consciousness, that's the first thing, just to be Muslim. The second thing is to understand Islam. Now, again, how can Muslims not understand Islam? What I'm talking about is that we should understand Islam in a way that we can explain Islam, in a way that we can have a conversation about Islam. So there's a saying in Arabic, which means if you don't have something, you cannot give it. So if you don't have a proper understanding of Islam and how to communicate that, then people won't understand Islam when they ask you a question. Because over the last 15 or so years, I've been asked many, many questions about Islam. Simple things. Very, very simple things about Ramadan, about... And things that we, we know, all of us, but how do we explain that? How do we communicate it in the best way? How do we also uh, speak to other Muslims in the workplace? Because other people are listening, other people are seeing. So this is important to understand about our consciousness. That we have a role to play and we have a responsibility. So this is not a choice, really. This is an obligation. So, uh, the Prophet ﷺ said, Teach from me what, what you learn from me, even if it is one verse. And Ballighu is Fa'lul Amr, which is a commanding verb. So, this is an obligation. <clears throat> and the obligation is now more serious because of what is happening in the world. And then the second point, the second key area is our identity as Muslims. Now, when I had the seminar, Muslims in the Workplace in Cape Town, a, 
a guy, I, I've never met him, but he, he sent me a message and he said that his wife works in a big corporate in Cape Town and she sees that uh, her Muslim colleagues find it difficult to navigate the halal haram issue with food in the workplace. So they have lots of company events, they have lots of functions and there's catering and the Muslims simply go and eat and partake. And this is not because they're bad Muslims. Because they won't do that at home. But it's because they struggle with their identity. Lots of Muslims, I don't know if you know this or not, but lots of Muslims struggle to be confident to say, I am Muslim. And sorry, I can't do this. Or sorry, I can't do that. And we need to start to learn this and strengthen this for ourselves and teach this also to young people. Because the overwhelming majority of people that we work with, they will respect us if we say we're Muslim and we cannot do certain things. I was with a few friends a few months ago and it was a Friday and it was you know, close to 12 o'clock. And one of the ladies said to me, you have to leave now because it's Juma. Right? Christian lady said to me, I have to go now because she doesn't want me to be late. And I find that this is the case with the overwhelming majority of people who are not Muslim. They have a lot of respect for Islam, but we need to simply communicate with them. They simply don't know. I was traveling once and I went to a, a, play, a food place and I asked the lady... Is, this, is the food halal? And she said yes. But before I eat at any place, I will look for a halal certificate. But there wasn't one. But she said yes, the place is halal. So I asked her, what is halal? She says, I don't know. <laughs> right? So, obviously I couldn't eat there. But people just don't know. And not because of anything. It's simply because no one has taught them. And that is our responsibility to actually try to make them understand who we are and what we stand for. And inshallah, then there'll be less problems. The third topic is Islamophobia. And this is very, very rampant in the US and in the UK, in Australia as well, it's very, very rampant. But it's starting to come into South Africa. And we need to understand what it is, and we need to understand how do we address this problem. So one of the people uh, that attended my seminar, he says that he sits in a boardroom in a meeting and people are talking to each other about Islam in a derogatory way, but he's sitting there and he feels very uncomfortable and he doesn't know how to handle it. This is going to start happening. So what do you do? How do you respond? There's a medical doctor who said to me, after the Orlando uh, shooting in, in the US, she said the next day she went into theater. And the, when she walked in, there were two male doctors talking about this, sort of blaming Muslims. And when she walked in, she realized she's the only Muslim in the room and she started feeling very uncomfortable because, because she's Muslim. So this is starting to happen. Uh, in the U.S. alone, there's a $200 million budget funding Islamophobia. 
So this is not an attitude, right, of people. This is not people waking up and deciding that Muslims are bad and that they're going to target Muslims. This is funded. There's a machinery behind this. So uh, during the apartheid years in South Africa, the news media was an, an apartheid propaganda machinery. Right? <coughs> because they were influencing and indoctrinating people. The same thing is happening with Islamophobia. So we have to understand how do we tackle this. Right? How do we address this problem? And we need to empower ourselves with this information. Because it's going to get worse. It's, Islam is about facing reality. It's going to get worse because there are people that want to defame Islam. So in the media, if you pay attention, if a Muslim does anything, whatever it is, whether it's proven to be guilty or not, whether he's a practicing Muslim or not, doesn't matter. If he has a Muslim name, they label him in the headlines as a terrorist. But if anyone else from another faith does anything, even if it's a, a, a bombing or a big kind of crime, they'll say that he's mentally disturbed. Right? So this is propaganda from the media. And the media is also not there to tell us the news. If we think the media is doing us a favor and sharing us the news of what's happening in the world, if we think that, we're delusional. The media is another propaganda machinery that has lots of global uh, agendas, right? And many of those agendas are against Islam. But there's another side to Islamophobia. The one side that I've just mentioned is that there's a machinery against Islam. But then there's another side, that we have bad Muslims. And we have to start talking about this. The overwhelming majority of Muslims in our time and across the ages have been good people, have been peace-loving people, but they are offshoots of radical, crazy people in Islam. And I find that Muslims don't want to accept this. But it's a reality. So I want to share with you a quote by Ibn Kathir, who was a great scholar. He's uh, widely known for his tafsir of the Quran, but he was also a master in fiqh. He said, if the Hawarij ever gained power... Now, the people uh, who are doing these things... They are of that breed of people, the Hawarij, and, and they've, they've been in our history as well. So inshallah, I recommend that you go and research this, because this is not a new thing. This is history repeating itself. And uh, there's a saying, to understand your future, you have to know your past. So Ibn Kathir says, if the Hawarij ever gained power, they would corrupt the entire earth, particularly Iraq and Syria. Right? So that's exactly what's happening. They would not leave alone a boy or a girl or a man or a woman. For in their view, people have become so corrupt that they cannot be reformed except by mass killing. Right? So this is Ibn Kathir and he died in 1373. That's 643 years ago. And he said exactly, precisely what is happening today in the modern world. So we have to realize that this is the case. That inside the house of Islam, we have problems. We have people that have taken the Quran and the Hadith out of context, and they, they don't understand Islam. They are not scholarly. 
They are rebellious, hard-hearted people that have taken verses of the Quran and Hadith out of context and they don't understand Islam. Anyone who understands Islam, who is a true scholar, will never hurt anyone. Right? That's, that's the reality. So, so we, we can study this and, and go back in history and study people. All the people that are doing these evil things in the world, claiming to be Muslims, they have no understanding about Islam. So we have to know this because we have to be authentic. When people talk to us, we have to tell them, look, there's two sides to this coin. Yes, there's Islamophobia and that machinery, but yes, we have problems. Right? And people, I believe, if we are open and honest with them, they will respect us because they know we are not like that. Right? So when it's Eid, I get lots of messages wishing me on Eid from people of other faiths. I have, um, when people invite me to certain places, they will inform me of if there's going to be alcohol or all of these things because they have concern for me because they respect Islam. And I, I find that that's the overwhelming majority um, of people that are not Muslim. And on the, the issue of the media, we see a lot of bombing and killing in the media, blaming Muslims. And then we see Islamophobia that is targeted at Muslims. And that's all a reality. But I also want to give you good news that that's only a minority. The Islamophobia that is happening, it's only a minority. The, the overwhelming majority of people who are not Muslim, they are kind to Muslims. There's, I don't know which country it is, but I, I heard, a, I read something of a pastor uh, in some country, and he said, if, you, if they bomb your mosques, then you come and uh, do your adhan from our churches. Right? That's respect. So, this is, I think, an important topic, and I hope I've... Uh, allowed you to think a little bit. So this is an intellectual exercise because we need to start thinking about new things. We can't think and talk about things that we've done 30 and 50 years ago. It's a new world. And there are new things that are happening and they're very concerning to us. Uh, kids are going into the future confused because it's difficult. Even at the school level, they are facing Islamophobia. So how do they handle it? I mean, they don't have even a firm grounding in Islam yet because they're still growing up. So inshallah, I hope there is benefit in this. I hope that as Muslims, we take the responsibility because it is, the responsibility is not a burden. Right? So we have to get this. It's a responsibility. It's not an option. It's a responsibility, but it's not a burden. It's a blessing. Right? So... Alhamdulillah ala ni'mat al-Islam wa kafa biha ni'mat. We praise Allah for the blessing of Islam and there's no better blessing. But that blessing comes with a responsibility. If we sit in our homes and lock the doors and pray five times a day and fast in Ramadan and not concern ourselves with what's happening in the world, we have a big problem. So, inshallah, I hope that there's conviction in us as a community to actually address all of these things. And I believe that we can. It's not impossible, we can. Because we have the Lord of the Worlds on our side. They might have millions of dollars and they might have mass media. But 
Allah controls everything. So inshallah I pray that Allah guides us all, opens up our minds and our hearts, and gives us istiqama, steadfastness, because it's a long road ahead. Uh, it's going to be difficult, but inshallah the reward is with Allah. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.